Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media. For those that have been here before, welcome back. Here's what we've got in store for you today. Well, hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be in the world. And welcome back to Industry Insights with me, DPDS. Again, I'm always excited. I say that every time on the episode of my next guest because they're all people that I've worked with or had great experiences with, been friends and colleagues. Uh, And it's always great to hear a different sector of the entertainment industry and get all of that insight for you guys to listen to and their wonderful stories. So I'm going to welcome to the show uh, a great friend of mine uh, and also has been a great colleague, uh, production stage manager, Erlene Coppas. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm all right. You know, living uh, my best life here in uh, the Florida right now in the States. So, yeah. So you're currently in Florida right now, but that's not where you're originally from, right? No, sir. No, I'm actually from Tennessee. Is that you? How do you say uni unicoi? Is that right? Unicoi. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it sounds like uni, unicorn. <laughs> it's similar to a unicorn. It is, yeah, unicoi, Tennessee. Awesome. And um, how are you finding Florida at the moment? Um, warm, much warmer. At home, it's snowing, so this is much warmer than where I where I normally am. It's quite nice. And you prefer the snow, or you prefer the heat? I prefer like light sweater weather. Okay. Like not too cold, not like just perfect. You're not going to get that in Florida. <laughs> well, right now I will because it's winter in Florida, which is my like fall. Oh, so it's, it's quite it's still, nice. It's, it's still cool. It's still cool. It's light sweater weather. It's, you know, maybe a rain here or there, but I don't have to have a giant jacket weighing me down and I don't feel like I'm dying in a heat stroke uh, <laughs> by walking out the door. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, I remember walking in Florida just in, in the summer anyway, completely sweating straight away as soon as you leave the house. Um, yeah. And well, the humidity just adds to that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, I, you kind of know what the show's about. We've been, I've been talking with uh, individuals throughout uh, the entertainment industry on their careers and their insights and really, uh, you know, diving into their personal stories and indulging in their experience. So I'm going to get right in there with you. Um, we're obviously it's great now to talk to somebody uh, who's not on the you know front line in front of the camera or on the stage but does all of the work behind and I really want to uh, look at that for anyone that's interested in maybe taking a career um, in that part of the industry so I did present you as what your role is but if you could just go into describing you know what your current role is uh, you know profession um, I know we're kind of in a pandemic still, but thinking that wasn't happening, um, where you've led up to your profession and what sector that falls under? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, pre-COVID, was uh, working for a cruise line as a production stage manager. Um, so basically, I'm the person who I call myself the queen of communication because it's my job to make sure that 
the performers and the technicians and the designers and everybody is on the same page and that everybody's getting all the same information, Mm -hmm. um, which I really like. It's just a really big, hey, did you hear we're doing this? Great. Did you hear? (laughs) So it's making sure that everyone's on the same page and everybody knows what's going on and no one's left out. uh, And also one of my favorite parts of my job is uh, calling a show. So anytime you're watching a live show and something has moved, uh, like a set piece is automation or anything like that is what we call calling. And I give the cue for that to go. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of, and I've been what in you, the corporate theater world for a couple of years now with different theme parks and cruise lines. Awesome. So working as a production stage manager, um, we're going to, you spoke a little bit about there, kind of what you do. And we're really going to look at that uh, throughout this podcast today uh, and find the nitty gritties about what you do and, um, you can explain, you know, shows don't just happen. Uh, there's somebody putting it together, uh, making it happen. Um, so let's go back, though, before we, we get into all of that good stuff um, and talk about your education. Um, now, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did study theater at the Coastal Carolina, is it Lena University? Carolina University. Carolina. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your education and what set you up. Uh, you know, to be the professional stage manager that you are, what education and training and qualifications uh, do you hold to become that? Yeah, um, I actually got started. uh, I took a drama class when I was in high school, my sophomore year, Uh, the following junior year of high school, I attended an academy for arts, science and technology Mm -hmm. as a theater major. So it's really where I kind of started growing and learning about the stage management role. Uh, But then my, when I went to university, I actually have a degree in performance with an emphasis in directing, but I fell in love with stage management there and um, just kind of really enjoyed working behind the scenes and doing all the work there. So that's kind of what took me into that more so than being a performer. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you have a larger than life uh, personality and character. Um, I could have seen you be, being in front of uh, a camera or a stage as well. Fair. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. you, would have, I think you would have been successful either way. No, yes. Uh, but I am very happy, you know, with kind of where I ended up falling into place. Because, you know, performing, people think it's easy, but it's not. It's really not. And it takes so much training and so many years of, I've really like maintaining all the skills that those build. So I honor them, but I am kind of glad to be sitting behind and watching them do their thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> me too now, me too. Um, so that's your education, your training. So yeah. y- you did that. Um, and then how did you get into the entertainment industry? What was your, you know, talk us through now your first experience, your first job, and then talk about how you've then you know, navigated your way through what jobs you've had to lead you up to the point where you are right now? Okay. Um, so yeah, I, my first professional gig in theater was as a assistant stage management intern for a small theater in Rhode Island. And I had got that job by going, uh, in the States, we have something called the Southeastern Theater Conference. And it's a big conference. They have it once a year, a week-long thing performers go and they get to audition for different regional theaters for summer stock shows, or if they're seniors in college, they audition for, you know, year long uh, theaters out there. Mm-hmm. And then they have like a job fair market for technicians. So I went to the job fair market. 
I interviewed with a bunch of different companies and I got this, this internship with the small theater and it was really one of the best experiences. But what's funny is that after that experience, I went back to school my senior year of college and went, mm, I don't want to stage manage. It's not for me. I'm not going to do that anymore. And they were like, what? <laughs> um, you're meant to stage manager at one of our biggest musicals this year. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And so I didn't stage manage a <laughs> single show my senior year. I did props master and I directed two shows, but that was it. And I had such a good experience. But then right after I graduated, ta-da, the first job I'm offered is a stage manager. And I'm like, oh yes, okay, let's go. <laughs> so, and now it's what I've been doing for the past 11 years. And, and it's funny how, how things turn around, but yeah, that was a, what, why did that. you, why did you suddenly were like, no, don't want to do that. What, what was I, the, the thought process behind that? I think it was because as an ASM, you don't have as much work as like the stage manager does. So I felt like, oh, all I'm doing is tracking props which is important and like people need to know it, but I just didn't feel like I was being used to my potential. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of felt like I wasn't learning everything I could have been learning, which in hindsight is me. I should have been taking, I guess, more opportunity to really learn from the people I was getting to work with versus being like, oh, I'm bored. My tracking yeah. document is done, you know, like that kind of thing. And I, I was like, okay, stage management's not for me. When really and truly like I love in rehearsals taking block taking blocking notes might not be my favorite, but like, I love being in the rehearsal process and mm -hmm. watching that creativity happen in the room. And so you don't get to do that if you're just doing props right. whenever, you know, so it's, it's really funny how it turned around, but yeah, I think it was the fact that I just kind of felt like I wasn't being used to my potential and yeah. I didn't take it. I didn't see it as a growing opportunity. I instead saw it as, Oh, I know how to do this. Yeah. Why am so I here? So that happened, and then you obviously get offered this first gig, and you're sort of stage, <laughs> stage manager. You're like, okay, uh, talk us through that. Yeah, so uh, I get out of, I, I graduate, and um, one of the professor's friends is opening a theater in my hometown, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and um, they were like, hey, do you want to stage manage for us? I was like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Getting paid to do it, staying in theater, I don't have to wait tables, let's go. And it actually was a very fun process because so many of my college friends were a part of it as well because it was very close to the university. And so that was a really, it was really cool to get to experience that. But sadly, it's the first time in my life that um, we had, we ran into some money issues and that theater had to shut down and cancel all their projects. And I was left jobless for a mm -hmm. minute and I actually ended up waiting tables. And then I had to start the whole uh, re-audition, not audition, but interview process and look for stage management gigs um, and, you know, that whole process. And I was fortunate to get hired at a theme park the following year. And that so, was in so 2012. Just to jump in, how did that feel then? You suddenly done this training, you get your first gig, you go to do it, you know, you, you don't have to do all that other stuff that you were doing to get by. And then all of a sudden that stops and you have to go back to that. How, how did that feel? I mean, to some people that could, you know, be a real you know, dead, stop in the tracks and deflated. How do you keep yourself motiv and motivated to keep going when that happens? I think, I mean, it, it felt really terrible in the moment. You know, you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, I've just put in six weeks of work for nothing. Like, I don't get to see the show fully fulfilled. I don't get to see anything happen with it. It's just, we're done. And now what am I going to do? 
And, oh, I guess I'm going to wait tables again. And for, I would say, even like a month or two there, like I didn't want to apply because I was like, well, what happened? What if that happens again? Is this a stable thing? Can I make this work as a career? You know, you question those things. But then a part of me went, this is what I love to do. I love making theater. It brings me so much joy. I have to find a way to do it again. I don't, I just, I need to find it. And if you have that passion, I think it really drives you to go like, I've, I've, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I'm going to do. I have to find a way to get there. And that's when I started applying for jobs. And, you know, when I was, because waiting tables wasn't filling me in the same way that theater does. I wasn't getting that sense of fulfillment. So I was like, I I have to do something else. And I was fortunate to get my first theme park, my first theme park gig uh, from that. And I had an amazing experience. I worked for that company for two years. And which, and which, comp- which company was that again? Just to remind us. Uh, that was Hershey Park. Okay. And where? And that's in Pennsylvania, It is correct? in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Hershey. Is that where Hershey's are originally from? Correct. No? Yes. That's oh, where okay. Original, I was just guessing. That's where the original Hershey factory was. Wow. It's actually a really amazing place. They, the, the founder of Hershey, like, started a, an orphanage there as well. And so they're so involved. The park itself is so involved with that orphanage. And now it's like a big school too. It's just a beautiful experience. They, they have so many great things happening there. Well, if you go back, you can tell them to send some Hershey's my way. It would be great. Oh, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite? Kisses? Reese's yeah, I like, Cups? <laughs> I like, oh, Reese's Cups. They're the best ones. Definitely. Oh, yeah. It's actually, so, you, it smells like chocolate all throughout that town. You might yeah, like just want to really. move there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll think about it. I, I think I'm getting myself a little green card and I'm on my way. <laughs> So you're at this theme park now, you're mm-hmm. this new, new job, this new contract. Um, and, and tell us about that. How different, um, you know, that's how we met uh, working at a theme park in Dubai. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but talk about um, your experience there in regards to theater and performances. You've suddenly gone from live to now, it's still live, but in a theme park environment. Yeah, it's a very different experience because, you know, you're not doing, you're doing the same show five times a day. And at that theme park, I was actually a swing. So I would actually come in to different shows and give the stage managers on those shows their day off. So I was like constantly rotating through the park, which I really enjoyed because I wasn't at the same show every day. So it can get kind of really repetitive for some people. Yeah. You know, to do the same show five times a day, six days a week with one day off. And you have to find like the joy and why you love doing that show to keep doing it every day. But I really enjoyed the fact that I was able to go and not only see the be a part of these different shows, but these different teams and these different casts who all brought something different to my experience there. Um, So it was a really fun and different thing to be a swing stage manager, because if I was working in a regional theater, you don't kind of get that opportunity to do that. Yeah, I suppose you're working with so many different shows and they've all got different elements and what they need for the actual production itself and then cast members. And I suppose you've also got the the rolling audience, which is continually moving throughout the park as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, at theme parks, you have your fans who love to come and see the same shows and they're very supportive and they cheer you on the whole time. And that's like a really nice thing, but it also is nice that like you're in front of a different group of people every, every half hour. 
So how many how many shows um, did you have at that that park? Um, I did my first season, my first summer season with them. I had one, two. I had five different shows that I okay. swung, and then I worked in the office one day a week. Okay. For my for so, my six days. And there was more than that as well, or were they just the five that you looked at? There were more shows. I only worked like there were walking sh- like shows that like kind of walked around the park, yeah. um, and a couple more like musical bands that were kind of like, oh gosh, what is it called? Um, marching band. Like a marching band esque, but you know when they walk around entertainment. Um, I can't think of it. It'll like come str- to me. Yeah, like street performers or... Uh, yeah, they're very similar to street performers. They walk atmosphere. around the park and yeah. give an atmosphere. Mm. Yeah. So they, there were some of those around as well. And so that was it. But I was only at the theaters where there was a physical venue. Okay. And how many performers would be working at the, the park at one time in a season? Oh, gosh. Uh, 150. Yeah. 100, about 150 performers. Wow. Maybe so. like... You know, we had some shows with a cast of 25 and we had some shows with a cast of five and some with a cast of like, you know, it varied. And then you have your costume characters. Um, you have you, know, you have so many people involved with that. Yeah, it's a massive operation. I mean, it's anybody who, who's ever been to Disney or Universal Studios or even Hershey, these parks, you'll, if you've been, you'll appreciate that there's everywhere you go, there's always something happening. Um, and how does that happen? Like, who comes up with the idea of the flow of the park? Is it is it done strategically? Um, is it because you know the show ends and the they're going to leave from here to go to there? How is that put together? I mean, I have more insight on that from where we work together than I do yeah. from Hershey. Uh, Hershey, that was above my pay grade. Um, okay, but so let, let's hold that thought then. Okay, wait till we do we get to Dubai. Okay, cool. Uh, you finished at Hershey's. Um, I think you were there for nearly about two years. And then you went to be a production stage manager for Norwegian Cruise Line, correct? Correct, yes. Well, I did do a couple small theaters in between those contracts. So, like, I, I worked as an ASM again in my hometown. And I did a, a theater in Boston for two months. Yeah. And then well, I got Norwegian. And, that, and now talk about that experience. Suddenly you've gone from theater to theme park. Now you're in this whole new world, um, you know, which I'm, I'm very used to. Uh, <laughs> kind of, that's where I've spent the last 12 years uh, at sea. Tell everybody listening what life is on, like on board and what the job entails for a production stage manager uh, at sea. Yeah, uh, it's so different. <laughs> Ship life is so different. Um, <laughs> It's an amazing experience to, you know, most places you leave your job and you go home. Well, you, you don't exactly do that on board. You, you leave your, your, your desk and you walk 12 feet and you could be at your bedroom door, you right. know? So it's just a very different world where you live, breathe, eat, sleep, work with the same group of people. I wish I had that commute right now. That would be great. <laughs> right. There's pros and cons to everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're there, you're living and breathing in this environment. And what is the work different to how it is on, on land? Or is it still the same setup as, as a theater and how you would run that? It's very different. I mean, 
the theater itself and like the way that you run your shows, I think is very similar to any theater. However, you have so many other things that go into it because on board a ship, your theater is one of your biggest venues. Mm -hmm. So your cruise team, you know, your cruise director is going to want to put a a plethora of different activities in there because it houses more guests. So you have to fit that into a schedule. So if you know you're trying to put in a rehearsal to get, let's say you have an understudy you want to get in or you need to do a reblock or any of that, you need space in the theater, but you've got to work around all these other events that's happening. And I think that's kind of where it changes um, because it is a floating hotel. There's so much happening um, every day on board. Um, Even if you're in port or not, there's so much going on that you have to try and work around for your schedule in the theater. You feel like it's a mini Vegas floating around? Oh, 100%. It's like a mini city. I mean, there's like some of these ships now hold what, like 6,000 people at a time or even more. It's insane. They're huge. I mean... So there. you've got those ch- those challenges within the, in the theater. Obviously, you need to use that space. Um, and if you've cruised, then you'll you'll know that you've enjoyed many different events or productions or whatever in, in that space. But specific to your job, like what shows would you put on there? What are the shows that are mar- marketed and put on for the guests on, on board? Oh yeah, so it's change of it. You know, they have. There's a couple different cruise lines now within Norwegian cruise holdings. So it's different for each kind of ship. You know, you have your luxury lines that do more of like the Vegas review shows mm-hmm. um, and more of like the music review shows that are, that are short and sweet. And then you have these big ships with Royal and Norwegian both that offer Broadway, full Broadway shows, full Broadway yeah. productions. Um, you have magicians who come on board and offer these incredible illusion shows and I mean, it's really a variety of entertainment. If you really want to see a plethora of different things in a week, get on a cruise, man. Yeah, you'll there's see, you'll something see everything. different in that theater every night. And do you think that's what's a big appeal for people to cruise? Is that you every day you could be in a different country, and you're also diff- uh, experiencing so many different things over seven days, or oh, shorter sure. or longer. Yeah, for sure. It should be. If it's not, it should be. So typical night on, on board um, as a production stage manager, uh, you're coming to say the shows are at, is at 8.30 uh, that night. What goes into setting up on a, on a ship for that production that night? Talk us through the day and then what your responsibility is throughout the show. Yeah. Uh, so the night before, our technician, our technical team will have changed over our set. So we have set change. Uh, which is where, you know, if there if it's a blank stage, then we pull out an entire set. So it could be stairs, it could be something with a bridge, so you have height differences. They bring out the set. It's done. We come in the next morning or maybe in the afternoon, depending on where we are and space and time. We do a rehearsal. You know, you mm-hmm. haven't had this stuff on stage in, say, a week since the last time it was out, you're going to want to make sure everything's properly working. So I would first do a safety check. I go through and I make sure like if there's a railing, it's screwed in and everything's safe before the cast comes on stage. The cast comes out, they do a warm up, get their bodies nice and warm to do a full rehearsal run of the show to make sure that everything's working properly. 
after yeah. the rehearsal run, we work any notes that we have, uh, clean anything, make sure everybody's good. And then we go away until about a half hour before. Well, the performers go away about till about a half hour before, but technicians and myself go away till about an hour before. We come in, make sure everything's set for the show, open the house at a half hour, performers come backstage, and uh, they're starting to get ready for their show. House is open, guests are coming in, and we're getting excited to put on a show. Do our first right. show. Then we normally have a second show that follows. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, on ships, uh, I've spoken with a few people in my, my podcast. They've kind of explained, yeah, normally you would do two shows per night, depending on, so every guest can have a chance to get to see that show. Correct. So, um, like I say, you do the two shows, but now, so once you're ready... Um, talk us through the process that the show is about to start and then what happens from from there like who you're I, I would assume that you being the stage manager you're in charge and then you're running that show yeah so before the show starts you know at 15 minutes I'll give the performers a 15 minute call and then I'll call them a 10 and a 5 and I'll call them to places when I say to go to places that means they're just backstage waiting for the music to start I won't give the official go until I know that the house manager has closed the house. So as yeah. soon as those, those doors are shut, me and I will give the go to the sound tech and the lighting tech. Let's get this show started. And then from there, throughout the show, depending on what kind of show it is, um, you know, there is this beautiful thing now that they've created called time code. Which oh, takes a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, it's this amazing program that times up the lights with the audio so the mm -hmm. when the audio guy hits go the lights go with it every light for that number so when it's a big upbeat music number they kind of go themselves but if an automation thing happens you know on a lot of ships there's lifts so the, the floor starts moving i give that go because it's a safety thing you know we want to make sure that none of our performers are around that or on it when we take it down unless they're meant to be yeah. So the audio and the lights um, work on this time code system. So they're, they're being synced once it starts. It should, in theory, go from start to end without having to, you know, anyone touch that. Obviously, manually audio. Um, in regards to automation, if, if does, anybody doesn't know what automation is, I know you spoke a little bit about things moving. Can you just explain what automation um, in a theater will entail? Yeah. So anytime you see something moving without a person touching it, it's probably on an automatic track, which means there's a metal track where it's got a, a stick and it's, it's on this auto, automatic track that's going to take it on and off stage. Or if something's flying, coming in from the ceiling down to the floor, um, that's what we call flying. So like bringing something like that in or something going up and down stage or a lift going up and down, uh, which a lift is like there will be giant holes in the floor. So like that's the different types of automation that we normally have. Yeah. And so you're the one that gives the, the clear that it's good to go and the automation technician can then move that, that part um, and do that cue. Yeah. I mean, it's a two person system. Like I will, I will put the automation tech on standby. And so I'll go, you know, let's say it's Q A35. So I'll be like Q A35 standby. He'll be standing yeah. by and then I'll give him Q A35 go. But if he sees something, cause he's normally backstage and he's closer, like I'm working off of screens you know, so like I'm looking on my screen and I can see from the camera angle that they're clear. But if he who has a better eye to eye look at it, what's directly happening, sees something that he's not safe with, 
he won't take it. And he'll tell me right. why. So it's a two person system, but you know, it's nice to have that, especially when it's someone's safety on, you know, yeah. like, don't want to hurt For anyone. Sure. So yeah. Safety first, always. First, um, right. I've lear- learned that over the, especially on, uh, on ships with so much happening and the, the ship moving and there's, you just always have to be safe. Weather you conditions. Little, yeah. You spoke a little bit there about, you know, some terminology that maybe people uh, don't know, like AX girl, whatever this is. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, in a minute um, but with calling the show mm-hmm. um, what is the process of that can you talk through what that means so what are you telling uh, what who makes up that team that you're with so you're the stage manager who have you got uh, apart from the performers on stage working with you uh, on a show so when we first you know put up a show you have a lot of technical rehearsal which is where, you know, the performers have been in rehearsal for weeks, learning their choreography and their steps and where they go, their blocking and things. But then when you get into tech rehearsal, it's really for the lighting designers and the sound designers and all of, you know, uh, scenic designers, all of those people to get involved. And that's where they kind of put in their input. So for lights, because some shows you still do call lights. It, not every show has time code. Um, the lighting designer will give me those cues for what he's designed and he'll, we'll sit down and have what we call a paper tech. Mm -hmm. And at this paper tech, him and I will go through the whole script or she and I, whoever, um, will go through the whole script and they'll explain to me, okay, you're going to take this cue on this. And sometimes it's on a line. Sometimes it's on a, a downbeat of a music or a specific count of music. Or, you know, when you see this person cross stage left, take the cue. It's very specific and they give me those. And that's the same for any designer with automation. It's going to come from the director and the scenic designer with audio. It's going to come from the sound designer and we have those conversations and what we call paper tech. And then throughout your technical rehearsal is when you really sit down and take the time to see how that all goes together and to, they'll tell me if I'm calling it right. So if something doesn't look right, on stage for them, they'll come to me and be like, hey, Arlene, um, let's double look at that. I don't think you called it in the right place. And I'll go, okay, tell me where it should go. Like, let me see where you feel like it should go if I can't figure it out for myself. So there's lots of planning that goes into uh, a show being able to open technically wise, um, probably more uh, maybe than the actual performers rehearse themselves. I mean, yeah, they, these designers have, there are so many, we're very fortunate to have technology in today's universe because these designers have all these programs that they can do a lot of the prep work at home. But then, yeah. you know, our lighting team needs to come in and make sure the lights are rigged how they've imagined them and then set up all of those cues. They have to focus those lights to be pointed directly where they want them it is an extremely long process. Same with, with audio and scenic. And like, they all have so much detail that goes into really getting the, the show looking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it sounds all so easy. And this is what happens. The sh- and bam, the show is ready and it's ready to go. But, you know, um, being live theater, um, any, any show, especially at Sea, we talked about there can be you know, very different variables. It could be, there could be bad weather, um, all those types of things, but, you know, you're floating in the middle of the ocean. What does happen 
say you're in the middle of a production show and there's an error, something doesn't work or the, the audio goes or the light or the automation. What, talk us through that process. Oh, this has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> me too, many times. I've been stuck on a revolve many times. Thinking like, oh. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, it depends. Um, at the end of the day, it is. Uh, one thing I will always tell my cast members is, you know, I'm going to make a judgment call based on where I think we are. If there's a way that I think we can continue the show without stopping, I'm going to go for that. Yeah. I'm going to try that because I don't want to lose the audience. We've been working so hard to get them to where we are. If we stop the show, we're going to lose them. And then we're going to have to work really hard where we pick back up to get them back. But if it's something that we can't fix in the moment or something that I feel like we can continue on, I always tell my performers, however, if I've made this judgment call that we're going to keep going, but you don't feel safe, tell a technician, they'll tell me on headset, we'll stop. Because at the end yeah. of the day, your safety is most important. And so yeah. that's a big thing. But like, if I can keep the show going, I will. However, there yeah. have been moments where <laughs> something technical has happened and, or we're at sea and it's gotten really rocky and I'm doing a show and I can't bring in the fly because it's swaying back and forth in these big swells we're having. And I go, it's not safe to do this show. So I, yeah. get on, I get on a God mic, which is a mic that will talk to everybody in the theater. And I say, ladies and gentlemen, due to technical difficulties, we will be holding the show. I love that you called it the God mic. I've never heard that in my whole time. <laughs> I'm going to take, take that back with me uh, when I go back. If you hear on the God mic that the show is <laughs> That the show is down, that's it. I love that terminology. That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you've never heard that. It's like a, a it's the only thing I've ever called it is a God mic. God mic, love it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what, uh, that's what we do. And then we'll, we'll try to fix it. And if we can't fix it, then we will sadly have to cancel the show. And if it is on board a ship, I always try to be like, okay, we had to cancel this one. Where can we find to put it back in? So the guests that didn't get to see it can come and see it right and that's the beauty if something does happen say on a cruise ship uh if it happens early on in the cruise maybe you have got that chance to redo it and give that experience to the guests but in my experience uh the technicians that i've worked with on board uh, in the past they're able to troubleshoot really fast and they know what the problem is they can rectify it and then hopefully pick the show straight back up and within you know under five minutes and, and keep that experience going for sure. I mean, technicians train just as hard as performers. Yeah, 100%. They, they go to school to learn. They, there are so many programs out there that they have to learn to be qualified in specific parts of their field. And it's very impressive what they can do. Yeah. I mean, as a performer all these years, you know, we go on stage and we put all of our trust. We just go on it because we are working with such great technical professionals. We're putting our trust and our safety in your hands. And we don't even really think too much of it. It just happens because it's so flawless. So kudos to all the technicians out there. Yes. Dream teams everywhere. <laughs> dream teams. Uh, but talking about bad times, it reminds me, I was doing a show one time um, and there was like eight of us on stage. It's this big revolve turn. And we're kind of behind these screens doing that. And the, the lead singer at the time of that number, you know, she's supposed to just walk on. 
and then like straight off anyway the revolve just keeps going and going and she's kind of having to do a treadmill on the revolve to just stand up and sing and like the whole cast was just losing oh. it but she carried up how she did it it was amazing uh i was just like dying behind the screen so these things do happen um awesome uh i think you've gave us a really great insight to how a, um, a show runs on the ship um and that environment <laughs> yeah you did and then so moving off from that um you then have been a production manager again in a theme park where we worked together at uh, motion gate in dubai a brand new theme park that we opened together it took a long time to open <laughs> yeah. had its challenges you know in the in the desert in the heat um, but mm -hmm. it was a great experience um, and you did become production manager there and going back to that question about how um, you know how do we design the entertainment and the flow of entertainment at a theme park yeah um this was taught to me by my boss that said theme park uh lovely woman amazing uh absolutely incredible at what she does so she showed me like it really is okay when a guest comes into the park if you were a guest you're gonna go left or right most of the time you're gonna go right it's just like an intellectual human instinct to go right Mm -hmm. So then you're going to plan all of your entertainment. Your first show that's going to come on in the morning is going to be the show that's the first thing to the right. And then it just kind of trickles out. So then you have a constant loop. So like every time someone goes into a new area of your park, there's going to be a show available for them. And you factor right. in like how long are rides? How long could wait times get to? And you think about that as you schedule it out throughout. And it's just yes. a constant loop in a circle. And it's very smart. And the way within that those things are designed within even like designing the way that, okay, so there's a ride here, which is not clearly my job in entertainment is how the park is designed. But <laughs> there is a, when designing a theme park, they do think about the fact that if we have an attraction here and we have a show here and another attraction right there, it's a triangle. Boom, they pop here, they go there, they go there. Oh, and right. then maybe they'll be hungry because maybe it's long waits today. Let's throw a restaurant right here. So it's very like, it's not just like a boom, let's put it. It's very thought through. The yeah, not random. Park. It is not random at all. People spend so much time designing, not even like the rides themselves and what kind of attraction they'll be and what all they'll have, but the way that the park is set up. It's brilliant. Yeah. Watching that experience and even like the details in it, you know, one of the areas was like DreamWorks and walking through the Shrek land where they had taken the time to think Shrek and Fiona have triplets. You know what would be nice in the Shrek store that's shaped like their house if the triplets had colored all over the walls. And then you nice, have these yeah. childlike crayon marks all over the walls and it's like beautiful storytelling throughout. It's all connected. And I, I just think it's so impressive. Yeah, there's so much detail that we don't think about or the guests that are attending don't think about that's gone into it. I, and it wasn't until I kind of worked in the theme park at Universal Studios or um, Motion Gate and you get to go on the rides and so many times you notice <laughs> different things every time. You're like, oh, I never even saw that before. And then you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it takes to go on the ride a few times to be able to see the greatness that has been put into it. Yeah, I challenge people the next time you go to a theme park from the minute you walk into an attraction, which is a ride, minute you walk into an attraction, start looking at what's around you because they've designed it from that very starting point. 
That's the first part of that attraction. And it is designed yeah. to be a full show throughout. It's beautiful. It's so genius. So we've talked so much stories about, you know, different jobs. And it's clear that the entertainment industry or even your job, uh, you've been able to travel uh, and see different parts of the world or work with different people. How important to you is that as part of your career? Is that something that you thought, I want to do this job because of that? Or has that just been an added bonus that you, you know, didn't know it was going to happen? I mean, the reason I decided that I wanted to work for Cruise Lines was to travel. But what I didn't realize was going to happen was I was going to get to meet people from so many different cultures and so many different backgrounds and be able to have conversations with them about how they, their lives differ from my life. You know, in America, we don't really think about other countries in the same way because we're not as close. You know, we're a huge country where like yeah. if you go to Europe, if, if I drive for five hours, I'm just in another state. If you drive yeah. for five hours, you're in another country. So, like, it was just such an amazing experience to get to, to meet people from all over the world, especially even with Dubai, like, to meet the people there and the Emiratis and the locals and all of that. Like, it's just been really an amazing and incredible experience, and I count myself so blessed for it. Yeah, it's one of the, the blessings of being, um, I think, in the industry and having traveled so much, you know, I open social media for me is just actually just connecting with my friends because they're everywhere all over the world. I, I don't really fuss about anything else, but it's, I can open and speak all day long to all these hundreds of people that I've met over the years living in different countries. And it's just fantastic. That's a great part of it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I can travel anywhere and call someone up and be like, Hey, I'm coming. Let's yeah. go do something, you know? And it's just a very nice feeling to, to have those connections everywhere, all over the all over the planet, it's nice. So, like everything, we've we, we've spoken about all these great, fantastic things, and everything's, you know, rainbows and lollipops. Um, you know, there are hard times within your job and your profession, and maybe mm -hmm. your your path. Are there any hurdles that you've personally faced throughout the, your career, and you know, how have you overcome them to you know be where you are in that right now? Yeah, I mean. As a woman in management, you know, there have been moments where a man has been my boss and I've been overlooked or my thoughts and my ideas have been pushed to the side. But a man who has said the exact same thing that I've just said, his ideas are taken. And I'm like, I just said wow. that. Like he just wow. rephrased what I said. Why is it all of a sudden a great idea? But when I said it, it was like a maybe. Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe. And you know, especially when the same man who just said what I said comes out and goes, I repeated it because I thought it was a good idea. And I'm like, so you agreed. So you repeated it. And now our boss is like, oh yeah, let's do that. 25 right. year old me would have been like, what? Well, not would have. She was like, okay, well, at least my idea has been considered. We're going to do it. I thought it was a good idea. Who, who cares who gets the credit? 32 year old Erlene would be like, excuse me, what is the difference in what he just said and I said? You know, right. now it's like, I, I know I'm good at what I do now. You know, not like there are things I can learn every day to improve. I will never, there are people, if you don't learn from the people around you, you're putting yourself up for a disadvantage because those people have a different experience than you do and they all bring something new to the table. Right. And you might not agree with it, but it's a different way of looking at uh, something, right? And that can only make something better when you've got so many different 
ideas and then it all comes together as one led by hopefully and steered in the right direction by someone. A hundred percent. To presume that you have the best idea hands down no matter what is just, I'm going to say arrogant. You know, there are so many people who have worked in our field and in our industry and we all bring our own experiences. And if someone comes to me with a better idea, I'm going to be like, you're right, your idea is better. Let's do that. You know, so how that, so how that made you, you feel, um, you know, at the time, yes, you talked about 25 year old to 32 year old, but what would you say to someone if they are in that situation, how in a professional environment, you know, how would you, you do that professionally and face challenges like something like that, you know, and I hope that never happens to anybody because it's not a great story, but what would you say to them to how, how to tackle that? I would say the best thing to do is to try to arrange a meeting with an HR representative and the person and to discuss like how you felt like that came off to you and how it made it look like you were being overlooked and not being accepted for your ideas. And, you know, if it's not because I'm a woman and I'm over and I'm looking into it too much, that's fine. You can tell me that. But I think it's important to have the conversations because one of the things also, you know, mental health, if you have anxiety and that's stuck in your mind and you go home and that's all you think about at night is, does he not take me seriously because I'm a woman? It's just going to tear you down and to wear you down and like just negative emotions that you don't need to be bringing into your right. home life. And so I highly recommend reaching out to an HR rep- representative and just saying, hey, I would love to have a conversation about this with my boss. Or if you do feel comfortable enough to say after the meeting, may I have a word, then have that word and look at them and say, I presented this idea to you. And I feel like my counterpart over here presented the exact same idea and you took it from him. Was it in the way that I explained it? Or did you just not really listen to what I was saying? You know? Yeah. And I I think as professors or everybody probably experiences that sometime in their life, you know, they go home thinking about something from work, like, oh, why, why is that? Um, And I implore people, and especially now as a leader uh, of large teams, um, and, you know, I can sometimes get wrapped up in a thousand different million tabs are open in my head. And sometimes you forget or you come off the way and it might not have been intentionally that way. Um, so if I, anyone did, you know, did that to that person, I, what you just said, try and just have a conversation at first. Be like, hey, I'm, I just felt a little bit like this. And open communication most of the time can, you know, resolve any conflict and any issue. Uh, and it's not going to help if you harbor something and go home and worry about it. Um, you know, seek advice, seek help, or, you know, if you feel comfortable, confront it yourself. A hundred percent. I always like to say it as I'm management, you know, I have no right to judge your feelings. If you feel like I have overlooked you, you are validated in the fact that you have that feeling and that is how you feel. So let's talk about it and let's see where I can get better and make sure that you don't ever feel like that again. And you explain to me how I made you feel that way. So I can make sure I don't do that to anyone else. So I'm yeah. very, like, having that open communication, I think, is very important. Yeah, talk, people, talk. Talk. <laughs> um, so talking about tra- challenging times, has there been someone, you know, that's been influential to you throughout your career and, and you know, has really helped you or mentored you um, and made you the professional that you are right now? A hundred percent, Miss Elaine Hines from Motiongate. I concur. Yes, she... Um, <laughs> just really and truly took me to a place like she separated that professional and personal so well and like set such a good example for that 
And not only did yeah. she care about the work she was doing, but she cared about improving the people who reported to her. She was always someone who I could go to and, you know, it was constructive criticism, but in such an amazing, like, yes, okay, you've done that. Like just the way she speaks to you and the mm -hmm. way that she made me feel as someone who reported to her. And I could tell that she cared about making sure that I became a better stage manager, production manager once I got promoted. Just the way that she really built up her team was so impressive to me. And she has shaped a lot of my current management style and how I approach things. Yeah, she's, I've got, I've had the chance to luckily work with uh, the great uh, Miss Hines as well. Um, and she is fantastic. So passionate, a great producer, creative, um, and a great leader and friend as well. She really is invested in, uh, like you said, the team and developing them. And we both, I think, felt that from, from her. I'm hoping to get her on the show. I'm waiting for her to uh, respond to me because I think it would be great to listen to all of her uh, experience and, and knowledge and insight. So fingers and just crossed. just to hear that laugh, man. It would yeah, send she has so a great much laugh. joy to my heart. <laughs> yeah. So call, please, please call her after this and tell her to get back to me. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I will. I'll send her a text and be like, do Darren's podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what do, would you say has been your greatest achievement professionally this far? You know, I, Opening that theme park was some of the hardest work I've done. It was a constant thing. And I, I, that was really and truly a great achievement. But to be honest, it's, it's the team that I'm always with. Like watching people grow that are working with me and seeing how they improve over a contract. It literally just makes my heart, you know, from our contract together, my ASM had never done theater before she had never ASN she had never done any of this and she was a local Emirati and watching her grow into the stage manager that she became was like a dream come true she was incredible it was so nice to see that transformation in her and that's really been like one of my big highlights yeah and yeah, so I, I would say, you know, developing people is one of those great achievements, right? If you can help anybody, um, and I tried to do the same uh, at work, if you can just help somebody a little bit or just move them along or, you know, invest in them, it's just such a great feeling when you see them really achieve great things. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you um, could rewind the clock and um, wish that somebody could have given you some advice before getting into the industry, what would that have been, if any? I don't really, it's not really knowing something, but I wish I would have listened to my professors when they talked about how important networking was. Because um, I didn't believe it in the beginning. I was like, right. yeah, okay, but you still like, you have to apply for these jobs, you have to work to get them, like networking. But it is actually very important in this industry because that's how I've gotten the last few jobs I've had. You know, I was at Hershey Park where I met a stage manager who was going to direct a show in Boston who asked me if I wanted to go stage manage for her. in Boston. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. I stayed ASN for someone in little South Carolina who ended up working for Cruise Line. And she was like, hey, do you want to come be my ASM? And that's how I got into the Cruise Line. I mean, granted, yeah. like I still had to apply for those positions, but someone had put my name forward. And even Dubai someone I had met from the cruise industry had messaged me and said, Hey, would you be interested in working in Dubai? And I was like, why not? And I so applied what, for that. 
what's the what's your greatest tips then for networking is it just keeping in contact with people you've worked with or do you use any platforms or resources that are specific to stage management or production it's really about making sure you leave behind a good impression i mean mm-hmm. if if you're a hard worker and you get along with people it can really go a long way because if that person sitting even if you haven't talked to like i hadn't talked to the gentleman who got me with dubai and probably a year. And all of a sudden I was the first name that came to mind for the stage management gig because I had left an impression, Yeah, you know? So it's really, you know, if they're sitting there in a meeting and people are like, okay, so we need to hire X, Y, and Z. Let's sit here and talk about it. Who do we know? And someone's like, oh, actually I worked with this really great person a couple of years ago. I think they'd be fantastic for this. They'd really fit in well with this team. I could see this work going really well. Like that's, that's really what it could come down to. And then I also think as a stage manager, having a plan B, you know, if something goes wrong and you need to go up and tell someone like, hey, I can't do plan A because of X, Y, and Z, but I can do plan B, C, D, so on and so forth, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have solutions. <laughs> yes. Don't just come with negative, be like, oh, I can't do that, and then walk away. No, exactly. No, no, no. Come with like, yeah. a, hey, we can't do this. But here are some options because when somebody hears no, they immediately go to, oh, well, they're not doing their job. But if they hear no, but we can do this, oh, they've thought about this. They've come to me prepared. That's it's like a different train thought then. You're still giving them the same information. You've just spun it to where now it looks like, okay, no, they did prepare. They came in with exactly what they knew they needed to have. So, yeah. Love it. That's amazing advice. Yeah. And if, if you know, listening, do a great job, leave a great impression, you know, always work to the best of your capabilities and beyond if you can, you know, and work as a team, build those relationships. And like you say, it has for me too. For even five years, six years, 10 years down the line, you can suddenly maybe get uh, a gig from something that, you, you know, we worked with many years ago. So always keep those doors open. Don't burn those bridges. Um, and that's a valuable uh, advice. Thank you, Erlene. Now, okay. just before we go, I have a couple more quick questions. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic to listen to all your story. I think we could probably sit here for hours and hours <laughs> and hours because I just love it. Um, and I'm sure everyone else has enjoyed it. But uh, quick you. one, if you had a favorite show that you could work on, what would it be? Oh my gosh. If it was still airing today, it would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if we're talking about like tel- film, TV, anything, but if it's like a Broadway show, um, honestly, Hamilton. Yeah. And um, what's yeah. your fa- favorite show that you've worked on this far? Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys. And, mm-hmm. and that was on one of your ships? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And you just love that show. It's a great call. It's so, like you call the lights, you call the automation, you, and there's multiple form. There's like a, a microphone automation. There's an upstage and downstage drum turtle. Plus you have flying and you're yeah. pushing buttons and you're calling light cues all at the same time. And it's just, it's such a fun call. And, and the music is fantastic. The music is so good. <laughs> it's one of the best like jukebox musicals. I swear by it, hands down. And the creative team as well. It's just so lovely. I really enjoy all of them. And they just made me feel so welcomed coming into the project. And uh, it's just an amazing experience. Like Jersey Boys, man. Nice. What a fun so, show. 
so good i was gonna try and sing that high but then i decided not to <laughs> <laughs> um i mean frankie valley's up there <laughs> yeah i'll um i've retired that's fine <laughs> um, so last question um you've given such great insight but if you could sum it all up in a few words um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to enter the entertainment industry you know as um you know a technician stage manager whatever it is to make up that uh, production team go for it. Just do it. You're going to have a thousand of reasons why like this might not be a great career choice. This might, what if it's not sustainable, but like, just go for it. Give it a shot. You'll never know till you do it. That's like, and it, within the tech and the, and the stage management world, it's just such a, there's more training, like get some training and find out, talk to people who've done the job, talk to those people, have a conversation and be like, you know, where should I start? And they'll be able to be like, oh, you know, if you're not going to school, check out this, this person has a YouTube channel that could really help or join this association. They've got tons of training. You know, there's so many options out there and we live in such a digital world, especially after COVID. Use the resources that are right at your fingertips, man. Yeah, there's everything right there on the World Wide Web for you to see and listen to stories about what it is and what it entails. Um, and I know that if anyone listening, you know, that is an avenue that you're wanting to take. Erlene's a great person to reach out to. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind if you had a few questions about getting into the industry or you're in the industry and you want a bit more development or avenues to go down. She's uh, would be more than happy to, to assist, I'm sure. No, not at all. <laughs> of course. <laughs> She would, Please. but she's Please. she's not very good at she's not very good at replying sometimes. It should be fine. <laughs> okay, I just might take a minute. I'm sorry. I only I limit myself to 45 minutes a day of social media, Darren. Yeah, good. I need to take that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That was uh, invaluable information, and um, people are going to just love listening to that. It's been fantastic to have you on the show. Also that we've been able to talk for a whole hour because we're so busy all the time. That's been fantastic. And hearing all these great stories. I had the best time working with you and I made a lifelong friend. So um, Erlene, thank you so much. and Thanks for joining Industry Insights and we will catch up very soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Love you. Bye. Take care. Love you. Bye. 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 Thanks again for joining me on Industry Insights with DPDS. It's been a pleasure having you. We will see you next week for our next episode where I'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and all the links will be provided in this podcast. Until then, enjoy your morning, afternoon, or evening. And most of all, stay safe.